Hey, Nish, so excited to have you as a guest on the International Voice. Before I begin this episode, I want to share a little bit about Nir. Uh, he graduated with his bachelor's from computer in computer engineering from the Israel Institute of Technology, and he currently resides in Portland, Oregon. Uh, he has been managing teams for uh, 13 years out of 21 years at Intel, and has also served as an officer in the Israeli army for more than 20 years. He's a leadership coach, a speaker, and author of the forthcoming book, Beyond Milestones. Um, so is there anything else that you would like to add, Neil? No, thank you. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Sweet. Um, like, it's, it's great having you in itself. Like, you do a lot of stuff. So first of all, I wanted to ask, like, uh, let's just go back and, like, uh, I want to know more about, like, what was life like growing up in Israel, like, for you? Well, it's my home country. I love it. Um, the culture there is very mixed, so I can say a lot of great things about it and a lot of my criticism about it, but again, it's home. And, you know, probably we'll talk about it later, but what I found that in every place you have the culture and don't believe anything that you see in the movies, right? Every place has their own culture with the good things, the bad things. And Israel for me is home. This is where my friends are. This is where my heart is. Um, yeah, pretty much. It's, um, I think that everyone has their own experience, but people tend to judge you where you come from <clears throat> based on what they hear from TV, and that is biased. I can tell you, all right, this is biased, and that this is one thing I learned from my travels in the world. Right. Don't believe anything you hear on TV. Right. So, like, how how are people like? How's the so? You have you have a standpoint of comparison, right? When you're comparing like the American culture in itself with Israeli culture, how are people like? How was the culture? I'm assuming like if, like any culture is vibrant, but like if you could put like shed some more light on the Israeli culture in itself. Yeah. So Israelis are known to be very direct, okay, and to the point, and they also use their voice a lot. Um, here is how, here's a good way to describe the Israeli culture, especially in high tech, but I think it's very relevant to all Israeli culture. A friend of mine told me about their first encounter with Israeli culture. They went into a meeting with some Israelis and they were shouting at one another. And, and my American friend sat at the side and was shocked, overwhelmed. What's going on? They're shouting and it's, wow, it's so loud and it looks like they hate one another. And when all that was done, they exited the room, you know, put a hand one on top of one another and went to have coffee together and just spoke about life and the next uh, bike ride. And that person was shocked. What's going on here? Because if in at least, again, when I'm going to say American culture, I know more about Portland culture than okay. what we call American. I would say there is no one American culture. There's right. a city culture and a company culture. But overall, uh, Portlandians or Oregonians are much more quieter. They will not raise their voice. And if someone raises their voice, something extreme is, is happening. So you can see how these two cultures, when they come together, can explode. Mm -hmm. right? um, one more thing about the people of Israel. They are warm. They have uh, what we call a very short fuse. Right, with all the tension in our country, and of course the media doesn't help that. Uh, so we get angry fast, but we also cool down fast. I would say 
one thing that really describes Israelis is when we see something that is wrong, a friend that is in need, we come together like that. So when something where you can see it at the national level, but also as a community, when something happens, we become a fist, a very strong fist, and we drive things together. Here is one example. We have um, some amazing Facebook group run by a young uh, lady who goes into very old people houses. Um, they're alone, they don't have family. Those houses are broken. They live in filth that is just unbelievable. It's not, if you would go and live in your own dumpster, it would be cleaner than their house. Seriously. And she just organizes people and asks for help and they go on those um, operations, I would call it, just like a military operation. And they go, they take the person out, put them in a hotel for a week, go clean all the house, um, fix it, and everyone are doing everything. Um, they, all of the people that do that are volunteers. And then so that person can go in, right? And live their life respectfully. So for me, that is the essence of being an Israeli. When you see something that is wrong, you would give a shoulder, you will give some of yourself to help that, to help the community. That's amazing, yeah. You'll stand up for the situation, right? And not just be a bystander. So that's yeah. an amazing thing, right? Um, so like what, when I, when I introduced you in itself, um, your leadership coach, right? You're very involved with, with leading people, helping out people, helping managers. Um, when, when did it, it must have ingrained in you, like in the beginning, right? When you were, when you were a kid, do you remember any times, any moments, like when was the first moment of you watching a leader or like recognizing that this is what a re leader is? Yes, uh, the first leader is my father. So I think that was in Greenway. My father was the operating manager of a steel factory. He was not the owner, just the operating manager. And since the age of 12, he would take me with him to the, um, to the factory every summer to work, to understand what is the value of money and work. And the people over there were hardworking people, uh, low wages, people who struggle every day to put food on their table. And my father loved them. My father cared for them so much. <clears throat> I remember one incident when I was sitting there screwing, screwing to a measuring tape and one of the employees who had some mental disabilities just passed by and um, told me, hey, Nir, uh, pick up the trash around your table. It's, it's dirty. And I just looked around and said, well, but I didn't throw that, so don't tell me what to do. And that person didn't know what to say, right? They're, I'm the son of the boss. And they didn't have the capability to give me an answer. And that person um, kept walking. And after a minute or two, my dad came racing in. He said, you will never ever speak to my employees like that again. You will treat them with respect and with dignity. I don't care that you're my son. You're an employee and you will respect others just like I do. So that was the first lesson, but it opened my eyes to how to treat others. And my father fought so hard for them and cared for them. One crazy story that I, I got to find out 
through working in the plant is that one of his employees was addicted to drugs. And working in the plant was their only source of income to survive. So come morning, if my father didn't see that person at work, he would actually get in the car, drive to their house, take them out of bed and bring them back to the factory. Show me a manager that does that today, right? Uh, we have so many managers if, that if their employee is not there, they would not even call to say, hey, are you okay? Are you fine? Probably it will be more, why are you not at work? Right? So my father saw the, the people, the person beyond the role and cared for them. And I think I grew up with that, of how important it is to take care of your people. And I think then I was also a, a what, let's call it a weird officer in the army because that's how I led. I was very technical. I was good. I was making sure to be um, worth of leading people. But the way I treated people, it was not from the power of my ranks, but it was the power of caring for others. But it took me a while to understand that and learn that um, as a grown-up. So I think this is where I started um, my passion for leading. It was ingrained in me through my father and the values at home. That's amazing. Um, I feel like anybody around, like the first leader that they actually come across is always somewhere related to the family, somewhere around them constantly. And it could be a teacher as well, and it could be an uncle as well. But that's amazing. Thanks for sharing the story. Uh, so Neer, um, I know like you're an engineer by profession, so you did computer engineering in your undergrad. Was there any inclination towards engineering um, uh, as a kid? Uh, no. <laughs> no, um, I think I was more interested in computer games. So my parents uh, bought me a computer, Apple IIc, and I played a lot. And it actually hurt my grades for a while until my father took care of that. Um, but I like computer games, and I think I'm just good with technology. You can say that. I was a pretty good um, student in high school. I did uh, I, I physics or math, so it was, for me, uh, more of a natural path going to learn uh, computer engineering. Would I have chosen this now? Maybe. I think what is, I didn't think about it, right? Uh, our parents are from the generation where creating stability is the most important thing, right? Buying a house, get a job, buy a house because they were fighting. I think it's in many places in the world, there was not too much stability. There was no financial security. So this is how our parents raised us. Go study, buy a house, you know, have a good job, uh, good pension, that's it. This is what life is all about. Today, because we have much more abundance, we're more about, okay, what is my calling? What is my passion? Right. And this is also why I changed to leadership coach position. But again, my life uh, led, it, uh, led me over there. But I think my mother always told me, oh, you'll be a good engineer. You'll, you'll be a good engineer. Okay, so I'll go and you know, study engineering. I was not that smart or reflective at that point. But I am an engineer. I'm proud of it. Even when I say that I'm a leadership coach, I'm an engineer. That hasn't changed. I love solving problems. And sometimes I, I miss 
the work of you know jumping into the circuits of the chip and just designing. There's some fun in that. Hey, nice, nice that you enjoy your engineering profession, but you're also living out your profession of leading people, helping out leaders in the industries. So that's amazing. So um, we'd love to see success stories, right? Uh, it's amazing to hear about success stories. Um, you getting into Intel and all. So was your story perfect when you were trying to find jobs and your route to getting into Intel after your engineering graduation? Um, it's an interesting story. So I was in my second, end of my second year in the university. Barely knew anything about Intel and what it does. And I just applied for internship. An internship in Israel is a bit different than what it is in the US. Uh, you can call it, uh, I was a student, it's called a student role, where you apply for a partial role as an engineer. Um, when you finish your studies, then if there's a job opening, you can apply to it. If not, then okay, uh, go find your place in the world. And I was lucky to get in. And I, and I almost left. After a year and a half, I almost left. Um, because of my manager, I was not happy with the way uh, they grew me or invested in my growth. But a friend of mine, a colleague there, um, moved to another site in Israel and called me and said, hey, we're opening a new site. Do you want to come and be part of that team? I said, okay, why not? So I moved together with that person into that site. And we were 10 people in a team alone in the site, just like a small startup company within Intel. And we had the freedom to do whatever we want. We had a project, however we want to accomplish this project was okay. So we could be very innovative within this huge, huge company. We were a startup, but a well-funded startup. And that was one of the best periods of, of my life at Intel. Um, and since then I stayed and I think that I was, smart enough to bring value and be, be driven by giving value that I kept staying. And Intel is an amazing place to work. And it's so big, the amount of opportunities to move from role to role is just, can blow your mind. Um, I moved probably 10 to 12 roles in my 21 years at Intel. Wow. That's amazing. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, is there, so I was intrigued, like you also are, are in the process of writing your book and the Beyond Milestone, right? So do you want to share anything about Beyond Milestone, what it really highlights at, what it's about? Yes, Beyond Milestone is going to be a book for first level managers who are in their transition from being an expert, an individual contributor, transitioning into management. What I felt, and I've gone through this transition in 2006, and I can see more people doing that over the years. It's a huge challenge, a huge challenge, because it requires a huge change in your mindset. The problem uh, in every company, and I've done the research, and it's not just uh, high-tech companies, it's also in the police force, army, healthcare, everywhere where the people, the, the working, those who do the work, are experts in what they do. When they transition into management, there needs to be a shift in your, in your brain. And that shift doesn't happen. 
And what we see is many first level managers that are struggling. And we know that managers are the most important person in an employee's life. You don't leave, usually, or most of you don't leave a company. You, you leave a bad manager. Your manager is the catalyst or the growth engine for your career. Wherever you go, if they will invest in you, you will grow. If you have bad relation, if you have bad relationship, you will move at one point or another. So uh, we, me and my partner Dami, um, who is my partner writing this book, acknowledging that also from our history, we want to contribute to bring some of our experience. Um, by by no means this is the absolute truth. It's just sharing our experience, the mindset, the strategy, and the tools, the everyday tools that a first level manager can use to fulfill their own potential as a manager and furthermore use or uh, help their employees tap into that potential that they have to become the great employees that they can be, help them grow in the direction that they want that is sometimes or mostly aligned also with the company or find those places where the company and the employee overlap. And that creates uh, an amazing success story. Great. Thank you so much. Um, also, so you talked about like helping out managers in itself. So is there any scenario that you came across um, a manager came over to you for help or advice in sense? Um, what any like what are the common mistakes that you see in the tech industry by a manager that is made and like what advice what kind of like advice do you give to him or her so i'm gonna speak a little bit high level in order to make that this transformation that i'm going to talk about you need to take action and maybe we'll give one action at the end so the book is called beyond milestones when we're an individual contributor we have one role Get results. Do the work, get results. That's a responsibility. Because we're not trained or training a manager takes a lot of investment and time, we're not trained that this is not our only role. Our role is not just to get results or the next milestones. It's to get results over time and better and better. So how do you do that? Now, we're used to be an individual contributor, and I've known managers who would stay up until 2, 3 a.m. in the morning to completing what their employees could not do in the regular work hours. Why? Because it was all about results. But it's not just about results. It's about growing a team that can deliver results. Now, this mindset that your responsibility is first to your team, to grow your team, to invest in your team so they can create the results is that mindset that needs to be done. A second mindset is that now you're, that you're a manager, you actually own a business. Your team is a business, which means you deliver some services, whether it's a delivery or a consultation or something. There is something that you deliver, tangible or intangible, but you deliver. So who are your clients? Who do you deliver to? And if you're a business owner, what is the value that you bring? So changing also the mindset to be a business owner mindset is crucial for first level managers. You're not this small screw uh, within a machine, right? You're your own business, now operate like one. 
develop your customers or develop your team, serve your customers or clients. Love and, the concept. Yeah, and to take action is, you know, first, I say that you can summarize the whole first level manager role with three questions. Before the question, you have to understand that you have four types of customers. Your team is a customer. Your manager is a customer. The people you deliver to are customers. The people that deliver to you are customers. Now that we established that, three questions to ask each one of them. What does success look like for you? The second one is, what is your biggest challenge or challenges in order to achieve that success? Number three, how can I help you? Doing that, your job becomes easy. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Another question that came into my mind during this process was, uh, supposedly there are managers who actually move, move from different countries and come to the United States, right? Is there, a, is there a change in leadership style that you see, uh, like a leadership mindset change that they need to make before making that transition from a different country to United States? Hmm. And what is kind of like the sim like the, the common principle that they still need, like the common principle that still remains the same, but like what, like discuss both the similarities and the changes that they can make. Yeah, uh, that's a very challenging move as a manager because as a manager you have a style of having a conversation which is usually more adapted to your own culture so let me give two examples and hopefully i'm correct and if not i'm just using some of my experience and people uh, your listeners will excuse me so if you come from israel you're used that the conversations are loud and people are you know cut into your conversation and that is not perceived as rude. It's just how we talk. Um, some of my colleagues from India um, report that in some meetings, there is a status difference between people. And that is important to understand who is the higher status because of the cultural structure of uh, some people in India. Now, if you come with this mindset, and you come into another culture where you do not interrupt others when they talk and you have to sit quietly, right? And not just jump into the conversation and just cut people. You have to stop for a second, right? Read the landscape, learn the culture, and then create what I call a set expectations. You don't have to adapt. You don't have to follow the rules of the place. I don't think that is the end goal. The end goal is how can you make your team effective? And the way to doing that is discuss it with your team. Hey, this is my, this is my structure or my culture or my way of behaving. How does that work with you, right? If I'm from Israel and I'm always interrupting, do you consider that rude? Okay, what can I do? to make you feel better if I do that. And I also try not to do that so much. How can we meet in the middle and set a clear expectations of how do we work together so we can all be effective? And the first thing that I found that helps with that is to call intent, right? People judge one another by their behavior, not by their intent. Ask 
a million people, are you a bad person? Very few will tell you that. But according to their actions, some people would think, hey, they're bad, right? They're interrupting me every time I'm saying something. I cannot finish a sentence. They're, they're interfering me. They're rude. They do it on purpose. Well, you don't know that. We just judge behaviors. So uh, a call to action here would be declare your intent. Be aware that the way that you work with other cultures is different. And there needs to be a conversation here on how things should work from here onward. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, so I'd like, I wanted to ask like, uh, what, are, what is your uh, common advice to a, to a fresh engineer? It could be an engineer, it could be any, in any organization in itself, who's trying to move up the corporate ladder, as we say, trying to be a manager, manage teams. How could he really, other than like getting his stuff done, working hard, um, being regular, doing stuff on time, meeting the deadlines, how could he really show the intent that he's actually a leader without really having an assignment of a leadership, right? Mm -hmm. So how, how could he really showcase that leadership ability to move up that corporate ladder? What is your advice to a fresh <laughs> engineer or fresh graduate? Well, my goal was never to climb up the ladder. My goal was always to make things better. Management is a role. Leadership is a mindset. Think of it like that. If someone is all about status, well, you're gonna struggle because however you climb in the ladder, there will always be someone above you. And that's gonna feel bad for you. And probably that won't be the best effective leadership style. And everyone who has been in a corporate or worked somewhere knows what happens when you have a manager that cares about how they're perceived. So if you can put your, let's call it inner story about how you're perceived aside for a second, focus on how can you make others successful? How can you contribute? If you will focus, how can you contribute to your manager? How can you contribute to your team? How can you help them? You will be successful. If you will act on every place where you see that needs a correction, if you will speak up, very soon you will become a leader in the eyes of others. Why? Because you take actions. Leaders take action. Leaders can go to sleep because things are bothering them and they take action to correct it. Now, you can't fix everything, but choose one or two things that you're highly passionate about. Go fix them. Now, if you're an engineer, this is what we're trained to do. We're trained to fix. Go fix it. Now, if it's something that resonates with others, guess what? They will follow. And if you can share the burden with them, they will follow you. Soon enough, they will say, hey, you know, uh, Japanese, he's uh, um, fixing so many things and he cares about all that stuff and people are following Japanese, let's promote Japanese to a manager position. And then you take care of also your customers, your, your new manager, the other teams that deliver to you, your peers. How can we make others successful? We become successful by making others successful. So keeping others in front of your own intent in itself, like serving others for itself, like giving like as i say giving giving back would like 
get you something back, but you should be really asking for that in the first place, right? Yeah. Um, right. And, and it's not about giving, sacrificing yourself, uh -huh. right? It's tuning into your passion, see how your passion can benefit others and use your passion to make others successful. Use your passion to make everyone around you better. And this is also critical when you move from another country because we're always, always suspicious of, of new people, new cultures, right? But when you have someone who genuinely, authentically wants you to succeed, makes their goal to be your success, trust builds very fast. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. So we need to wrap up everything. Um, we, don't have enough, we don't have enough time, but that was like, those were like the great leadership lessons that I've learned so far. Um, so if I wanted to ask you about like, what was that turning point in your life? What, when did you think, uh, like if you wanted to share up any story that this was a turning point for my life and everything changed after that? Well, like what, what would that be? So many points. Um, first, I would say that any point that you stop, reflect, and make a change is a turning point. Um, and this is maybe, I know I'm not going to answer the question just like you wanted to, but every point where we take responsibility and we make a shift, even if it's a small shift, going down the road, you will reach to a different place than you have been if you haven't made that shift. Um, I think being a manager was that shift. Going to war and leading soldiers under fire and being responsible for their life for me was a huge, huge shift. Yeah. I can still feel the burden on my shoulders. Um, hopefully I've done a good job. And it's the same with people that we manage today. People are caring, and we can see this today um, with everything that is going on in the US with Black Lives Matters. You meet people. And it doesn't have to be just black people, any person. They're carrying a huge backpack on their back with all of their life history. They have a, an amazing story. Every person has an amazing story. Know that, be kind to that person because you don't know what they've gone through. And every time I'm able to make that change, I change, I'm grateful for that. And that is changing my life more and more and more into service. Thanks, thanks a lot for sharing. And um, one last question that came to my mind was, um, um, so if you had to, like, everybody's definition of a success is different. What is your definition of success? What a question. <laughs> my definition of success is changing managers' mindset helping them get in touch with their own caring ability because we all care and seeing that in action. When I see managers do that transformation, get in touch with their own caring abilities, being better managers for their employees, that fills me with a huge, huge satisfaction. This is success for me. Thanks a lot for sharing your thoughts today, Nir. Um, so thank you so much for coming as a guest. Uh, do you have any ending notes? Um, that you want to share with the viewers? Uh, just follow me on LinkedIn, uh, offer your connection. I'm sharing a lot of my experience as a manager, 
hopefully that will be of service of you too. Um, that's it. Don't be a stranger. Sweet. And I'll be, I'll be sharing the link to your LinkedIn and your website as well. So feel free to share, uh, feel free to follow Neer. Uh, thanks a lot for an amazing session, session Neer. I'm sure a lot of international students and uh, just, just managers in itself, leaders across the different spheres would appreciate you sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank Neer. you so much for Thank having you. me, Japan. Thank you.